From KBMR and in partnership with Freed, this is Disability Rep. My TBI is like my superpower. I just think it's given me so much more empathy and compassion for all people. Not a source of pride, but yes, a source of pride. I would never wish a TBI on anybody. Today, a conversation with two people who live with traumatic brain injuries, as well as a service provider who supports people with this often misunderstood disability. With the lack of funding and support, sometimes, you know, it's, it's been on and off when, you know, things have been available in this community. And traumatic brain injuries are so common. And I think most people don't even realize, and a lot of people don't even realize that they have them. That's all coming up on Disability Rep. Stay tuned. Welcome to Disability Rap. I'm Carl Sigmund. With Carly Pacheco. Here at Freed, we've recently restarted our traumatic brain injury program, where we connect people with others in the community who have similar experiences, and we support people to live independently. According to the Brain Injury Association of America, 1 in 60 Americans are living with a permanent brain injury, and 2.8 million TBIs occur every year in the United States alone. While working with these individuals here at Freed, we began hearing more and more stories about life with a TBI. And while there are common experiences among those living with traumatic brain injuries, we know, like all disabilities, that each person's journey is unique. For a glimpse into the lives of people with TBIs, we're joined by Barb Foy and Calvina McAndre, who will share their experiences of having TBIs, how it shapes their present lives, and their outlooks on the future. We're also joined by Alex Banducci, Freed's Traumatic Brain Injury Coordinator in our Yuba City office. Well, Barb, Calvina and Alex, welcome to Welcome to Disability Rap. It's great to have you with us. Barb. I want to begin with you. Can you just tell us a bit about your TBI? When and how you when got how you it. got it um, you and how your TBI impacts your day day life impacts your day to day life. It was my last camping weekend of the summer, and um, I was on my mountain bike with my partner and. We had ridden like 15 miles already, and um, we still don't know 100% what happened, but they think my blood pressure plummeted, and as a bicyclist, I knew to fall to the right of the white line, but uh, I did not. I fell to the to the left of the white line, so I, of course, had a good helmet on, but I bounced a couple times and uh, got a TBI and sheared my rotator cuff off my shoulder bone and broke a bunch of bones. And uh, what happened though, was a diesel truck was barreling down the road 
And you know, mountain roads are not that wide. And my partner was, you know, trying to get me out of the road. Somehow at the last second, he got the truckers, uh, he, you know, he caught his eye. So the trucker starts pulling his horn. And so the car that's oncoming caught, you know, they connected eyesight. The truck was able, able at the last split second to swerve enough not to run me over. My partner thought at least the bottom half of my body, there was no way that the trucker could miss it. But this guy was a phenomenal driver as well as this oncoming woman. And so I did not get run over. I was still meant to live, obviously, because here I am sitting in front of you on this lovely podcast. So um, I still have work and service in my heart and soul. And then can you tell us a bit more about, more about how your disability affects your life? I remember Callie saying this in one of our weekly book club big meetings. Um, like my TBI is like my superpower, right, Callie? I've had more good days than bad, but every day is different. Barb, would you say a little bit more about how your TBI is your superpower? I love that concept. I know it sounds kind of hippie-ish, but I, I still, am, or more, more so, I'm able to like read the room a little better on the good days. Um, I'm not as inappropriate, but I, I just think it's given me so much more empathy and compassion for all people. You know, not just foster family kids or, you know, school kids or elderly folks with autism, you know, that whole, it's been, it's uh, not a source of pride, but yes, a source of pride. I would never wish a TBI on anybody. Yeah, I appreciate that perspective. I think that's, you know, a common thread that we hear from people with all types of disabilities, right? Is that while there are challenges that come with having a disability, there's also a lot of superpowers. So, Calvina, I might punt it over to you this time and ask you a little bit about your, you know, TBI, whatever you want to share about that, and how your disability impacts your daily life. I was allergic to a lot of things as a kid, and so, um, and they couldn't figure it out. Um, so I, w- I had a lot of high fevers. A lot meaning, I'll be more specific, I would have pneumonia maybe twice, three times a year with 100 and 405 temperatures, delusions. It was, I, um, I would um, see things and, you know, they weren't there because I had, I had high fevers. Um, So, and I I had a couple um, accidents as a kid where I got concussions and so it had been affecting my life before the car accident that I was in, in 2007, I was in a car accident and then I was in a coma for a month or two. Um, I would be more specific, but shortly after people in my family that were my caregivers passed away. So like my brother died directly resulting from his tour in Iraq and then 
my mother passed away and my father. Um, so I can't remember a lot of things. The things that I do remember is relearning how to walk and I forgot words. I had a lot of cognitive defects, confusion, shortened attention span, memory problems. Um, I didn't realize it, but I, I was playing and I have children. So I'm, I had an eight-year-old mentality when they released me from the hospital. So, um, and my children were uh, teenagers and preteen. I remember my kids beating me at tic-tac-toe and I was like dumbfounded. I was like, what? There's no way. So it, it was a car accident. It was traumatic. I'm looking at the, the motor deficits, the sensory deficits, communication and language deficits, functional deficits, social difficulties, regulatory disturbances, personality or psychiatric changes, all of that stuff, um, except for the epilepsy, I'm like, wow, that's, that's me. I want to bring Alex into this. So Alex is one of the staff at Freed who works specifically with folks with traumatic brain injury. And Alex, we know that, you know, the experiences of people who have had a TBI are really varied. Um, everybody sort of experiences that differently, but what are some of the commonalities that you see in your work? I'd actually like to define traumatic brain injury first. Um, So a traumatic brain injury is an injury caused by an outside or penetrating force to your brain that leaves um, lasting brain dysfunction. Um, So it is a little different than an an acquired brain injury and ABI. Those come like what Callie was talking about as a child with those high fevers and and strokes and everything like that. Typically with brain injury, the most common things that we worry about afterwards are your sleep gets really messed up and there's a lot of personality and mood changes that can be very difficult to um, handle, especially for yourself and your family and your caregivers. And then obviously the thing that people struggle with the most that they bring to the table a lot is struggling with memory afterwards. There is um, commonly, most often, there's a lot of trouble with um, being able to actually store those memories. So you have your long-term memory, but some people don't um, even have long-term memory after um, a brain injury, after some people experience a brain injury, if they have those level two or three, like Callie was talking about, um, those more moderate to severe that those two levels, um, those typically come along with something called PTA, post-traumatic amnesia. And I have multiple consumers where that didn't just last a day or two. I have a consumer that lasted 15 years. She has 15 years of her life where she has photos and memories and her family to tell her what was there, but she doesn't remember at all. And it's so traumatic and so hard. And there are all these people that she loves, but she can't remember. And a lot of times people struggle with like, not intentionally hurting someone because you don't remember, but it still can hurt. Like, mom, you don't remember my fifth birthday. Like, you don't remember when I got my driver's license. And so they struggle so hard with that depression afterwards and the expectations sometimes that people can still have 
Um, and then we see things like impulsivity and anger, um, and that can only lead to a lot of problems within their personal lives or even within the community at times. Thank you, Alex. For painting that picture for us. And I want to just reiterate that a TBI can can have a very different effect one person to the next on on how the injury affects them. Barb, I want to bring you back here. And then ask Callie the same question in a minute. But Barb, what are the most common misconceptions you experience? That you wish the world would know. About your disability? Well, I got really emotional over that question because um, I, to most people, I totally look physically fine. And um, I'm just, I'm just different. Um, I mean, people that know me and love me accept, accept me how I am. But, um, you know, like I said, I continue to rehab and it's just so interesting that just because someone looks like, just because I'm walking and talking and um, I'm able to do all things, things today doesn't mean I'm going to be able to do that to that level tomorrow. You don't have a TBI. It's like, there's no way, you know, so-and-so I know has a TBI, you know, it's just, um, I think that's the major, major one. If I could say that it's just, I'm not in a wheelchair. I, you know, don't use assistive devices anymore, anything like that, except, you know, like I said, it's needed, but yeah, I'll stop. I think, I think that's good. And Callie, the same question for you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to agree with Barb and also with Carl on that. I'll brain injuries are not the same. Um, I think that's what he had said. It is so difficult for me because, um, yeah, the ABIs when I was a child, but I, I did have a couple of TBIs too. When I started learning about the, the TBIs because I was alone and I didn't have any, um, help. Um, I guess it's with, it seems like to me, it was a brain injury. Um, that the disabilities in general, people just aren't educated unless 
something happens to them or to a close person or they you, it, uh, to them they just don't know stuff it's like everybody's broken in some way anyway i i believe everyone's broken there's no exception everyone's broken in in some way i think the fact that we have uh disabilities that we are putting our effort into finding information about it it strengthens that you know uh superpower you know the empathy the um it's, it's difficult for people to uh not know but at the same time when i'm saying that i wish people knew more about uh tbis because we look like we're okay we seem like we're okay but that's like like barb was saying um i am agreeing with that like right now maybe or or just people aren't paying attention anyway they just autopilot through life they're like no way kelly does not have a brain injury you know and so it affects and i have a brain injury so then it affects me like in different ways like than anyone can imagine even if they have a brain injury because they're so different so i have to just have to work on my understanding of people so that myself so that I can that's how I came up with you know what everybody's broken so I just have to feel I have to just learn how to disengage or learn how to but I have to, at the same time it's difficult because I am the oldest person in my family that's alive <laughs> you know I'm and my kids so there's that I, I feel a responsibility to learn more and to to be more compassionate or be more understanding. And wow, sometimes it's just very difficult. Thank you so much, Callie. Um, and I think a lot of people with, we call that invisible disabilities, right? When that's not obvious when you look at someone that they have a disability and I think that's a common experience um, for folks with invisible disabilities that people yeah, sort of also, like deny your experience a little bit, right? When, when, if you're sharing that you have a traumatic brain injury and people are saying, oh no, um, that's kind of a denial of your life experience. It's hard. Well, unless you know that people are just broken. See, that's why I'm like, I'm just like, please God, show me more information on, on on people so that I'm not so affected it can't be it can't be that difficult I'm uh, by myself I have don't have a care you know now I have by the grace of God I have a I, I have 24 hours supervision I have qualified I to be able to have done the protective supervision through IHSS I give all the glory to God because I am not able to mentally I just couldn't cognitively been able to do that. And um, it's very difficult for, for no support or financial distress and, and be able to do that stuff. Callie, I think that you're, you're jumping right into the next question that we had. So you're, you're right on track with us. Um, And what we're kind of wondering about is what supports have been most helpful. So I'll just summarize what I've heard from you is that learning about brain injuries in general has really been helpful to you and sort of understanding, but specifically having some IHSS in-home supportive services caregiving 
has been a huge support. Um, Barb, I wonder what kind of supports you've been able to obtain um, and what's most helpful in your life. Definitely the IHSS has kept me in my home. You know, I used to need 24-hour care. And um, now I've been able to live pretty successfully uh, alone for the last almost 10 years. In July, it'll be 10 years. Um, But I do have like 60 hours a month of IHSS hours because there's a lot of things I can't do. But there's a lot of things I can do. But um, what really saved me was my neurologist uh, gave me lots of resources. And one of them was locally our Brain Injury Coalition with Landa Bell Carson and Cindy Bell. I forget her name, but um, Ball, I think is her last name. And then through them, working with them, they... uh, uh, I used to call and hang up. I would talk and call and hang up. I, I was just really in a bad place. Um, but they kept on and kept on and kept on. Her name was Vicky. She's not there anymore. Finally, I got an interview with their ongoing support and help with uh, the Peg Taylor Center here in Chico. And uh, like that, it's like an adult day healthcare center. And that's the ongoing rehabilitation, you know, R-T-O-T-P-T. And even through COVID from March 2020, it was Peg Taylor without walls. And if it wasn't for BIC and Peg Taylor, these I can't even say where I would be, let alone alive, literally. And I've said that on another podcast. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, three years is a long time for everybody, right? But then I have two book clubs that I'm involved with. Um, BIC, uh, we've read more than 60 books over X amount of years. I'm actually in an international book club because of COVID. And then my 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 people, music therapy. You know, I was in the hospital. I was so so sick, and I would just dial into Zoom and no camera. I would just be in bed, just listening to my people, you know, and that was okay that I could, you know, I would wave and try to smile on and that it got me through and here I am. (laughs) And that was at the last week in January, I was in the hospital. So, um, I just, um, I just have like really loving, compassionate, uh, for the most part people in my life, like even my Uh, medical Uber drivers, you know, well, if I throw up in the car, well, that's all right. You know, know, it's just, it's amazing. So I'm able to live my best life. If today is my last day, I'm living my best life. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if I could bring Alex in here a little bit again. Um, as Freed has done work with um, individuals with TBI, one of the things that we that's become abundantly clear is the lack of supports that for people to access. And so 
um, Barb is talking about a traumatic brain injury program in the Chico area. Freed has a traumatic mm-hmm. brain injury program in Nevada, Yuba, and Sutter counties. Um, but there's lots of parts of the state of California and many, many other places that don't have any sort of traumatic brain injury program. And I will also say that our programs are have very limited funding and resources, which is a problem. So Alex, I don't know if you heard probably some themes from the individuals that you work with about what resources are needed that they're unable to access. And and maybe if you want to talk a little bit about that. One thing is it's not even just the resources. Like it's, I, I honestly, I think this is something that Callie told me is after her hospital stay, after her coma, they sent her home with some resources and some information, but she had just experienced such a traumatic event and they handed her this binder and they didn't give anybody to support her in learning these things. And, and she didn't have that family. And it's not just Callie that experiences these things. It's so many people like, and they don't, they might get handed a, you know, the exact thing they need, but not even have the, the capability at that time to utilize it. So they really need more direct support directly after, um, and then ongoing, there are so many times, you know, if you're if your memory's not there, if you're on social security or you're in project-based voucher housing or you're on Medi-Cal, there are a lot of things you have to do to recertify that have deadlines and timelines, and some of them are so quick. And so unless people really have somebody, if they need that support to be on top of them and helping them with these things, I see a lot, we've already missed this deadline. And at this point, you, I, I can try and support you now, but there's nothing I can do past this. This is, it's too far gone. And so they're just not getting these supports in time. Like Callie said, she didn't, you know, she's had her brain injury for years and years and she just found out about Freed not very long ago. And, and with the lack of funding and support, sometimes, you know, it's, it's been on and off when, you know, things have been available in this community and, and it's really hard. Um, Traumatic brain injuries are so common, and I think most people don't even realize, and a lot of people don't even realize that they have them. Um, I hear wild stories about people going into the hospital from a car accident and being in a coma and being fine and talking to them and say, well, no, I don't have a brain injury. They said I had a scan and everything looked fine, but they can't remember anything and their personality has changed and they're struggling and they're stressed and they're angry but they, they don't even look into looking at a TBI because they've been told, oh, no, we, we did a CT scan. You're fine. Thank you, Al. Thank and you, Alex. I want to keep us I want to keep us going. On this theme. On this theme. And ask Callie. And ask Callie. What supports do you wish you had? That you don't have now. To support you with your TBI? I, I would really appreciate I some consistent help because I, I really, really need it because I don't have 
I'm the one that knows stuff and I'm the brain injured person. I'm the one doing leg work and don't think that I'm, um, I think somebody else is more qualified to be doing this, you know, and it's like, I'm, I just want, uh, I would like some consistency and stability in that, but I'm thankful because I, I have a community, the book club that, um, we did when we did the seven habits of highly effective people. That was my first book club. And I was like, man, this is just amazing that I'm in a group with people that they get me. They are like me and we're learning um, how to be effective with, and, and that's when I had told, this is our superpower, man. <laughs> this is awesome. That was our conversation with Calvina McAndre and Barb Foy, two people living with traumatic brain injuries. We were also joined by Alex Banducci, Freed's Traumatic Brain Injury Coordinator. And that does it for the show. Disability Rap is produced and edited by Carl Sigmund. Courtney Williams is our production assistant. You can go to our website, disabilityrap.org, to listen to past shows, read transcripts, and subscribe to the Disability Rap podcast. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching Disability Rap on any of the major podcast platforms. We're brought to you by KVMR in partnership with Freed, and we're distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. I'm Carly Pacheco with Carl Sigmund for another edition of Disability Rap.